Thanks, Ben. Morning, everyone. The day's finally arrived. If you've been waiting to wear that favorite flannel or your sweater, you finally got your day and go home and put up your Christmas tree this afternoon, too. So, hey, we are going to continue on our journey reading and studying through the Bible together in the book of Acts today. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, just go ahead and find Acts. It's uh, about a third of the way in the New Testament, uh, right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts is a history book. Uh, it's, uh, it opens with the ascension of Jesus uh, into heaven in Acts chapter 1 and then covers many of the early activities of, of the early church and the disciples. And if you had to choose a key word uh, to describe the book of Acts, I, I would say that key word is expansion. Uh, be a good word uh, for Acts. It's the expansion of the good news of Jesus Christ from person to person, place to place. And last week, Steve was teaching, and we talked about the final words of Jesus uh, in Acts chapter 1. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus took his disciples and many others. Keep in mind, this is more than just the 12 at this point. This, is, uh, this, this group has grown, but they go to the Mount of Olives, which overlooks the city of, of Jerusalem. And, and Jesus spoke these final words before he ascended into heaven. He told them, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now, note the key word there, power. And, and where does that power come from? Well, it's the Holy Spirit uh, working in and through uh, the followers of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is the MVP uh, in the book of Acts. He is the central character from beginning to end. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit today. But Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, uh, and you will be my witnesses Uh, to the ends of the earth. Now, what does a witness do? A witness talks about what they've seen, what they've experienced, what's happened in their life. That's what Acts is all about. It's the story of men and women and kids and students under the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit telling the story of Jesus Christ wherever they go, whatever they're doing, no matter who they come in contact with. And Jesus said, I want you to do that from Jerusalem to the very ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1 begins in Jerusalem. By the time you get to Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul is walking into the city of Rome, ready to tell others about Jesus Christ. Here's the point. Here's what it means. By Acts 28, the good news has expanded to the ends of the earth. It's done exactly what Jesus said it would and it should do, and it's still expanding today. Uh, we, We live in Acts 29. All right, we're living in the day and age of Acts 29 right now as a church, as Christians, as witnesses for Jesus Christ, and that means all of us. I mean, anyone who claims to follow Jesus, like we've been given the same responsibility of sharing the good news, of telling others about Christ, what he's done in my life, what he can do in your life, wherever we go, no matter what you're doing. And we all know people like that, right? Uh, You know, people that are just really good at sharing their faith, sharing their story, like they rub off on you, they leave a good impression on you. When I think about people sharing their faith in Jesus Christ, I can't help but think about people like this guy, uh, the late Billy Graham. And uh, many of you know him, maybe followed his ministry, he died in 2018. Uh, people estimate that he shared the gospel with over 215 million people in 185 different countries and territories throughout his lifetime. He was known as America's pastor. He was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom from, from former President Ronald Reagan, and he received a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And for those of you like me that grew up in the 1900s, uh, you know, you might little remember a little bit about his TV 
crusades. I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to turn on my favorite TV show on a given evening, and there'd be Billy Graham preaching on national television. I got to be honest, I was always a little frustrated by it. I wanted to watch my favorite show. I didn't, I didn't want to watch Billy Graham, but, but he was on there. And you just imagine that today, like national television, prime time, like he had that kind of, of influence. And uh, you've all heard, we've all heard of Billy Graham. Some of you uh, have heard of this guy. Uh, his name is Ed Stetzer. Uh, Ed is a, a pastor. He's a writer and popular conference speaker. He's the executive director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton Bible College uh, in the Chicago area. And I heard Stetzer tell this story a couple of years ago about Billy Graham's death and also an Uber driver by the name of Jane. And here's how the story goes. Stetzer and his wife, they live in the Chicago area. They needed to get to O'Hare Airport, and so they, 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 they got an Uber. And so this Uber picked them up. They got into the back seat of the Uber, and when they sat down, they discovered that this person, uh, this woman, had left mints in the back seat. There were bottles of water. There was also a copy uh, of the Bible there. And so they quickly encountered the hospitality of this woman named Jane. And, and again, the, the conversation began, and, and Ed, Ed never let on what he did for a living, that he was a pastor or anything about his faith, but he just noticed that this woman started asking some questions. And talking about life, and it wasn't long before she started talking about her faith in Jesus, and, and Ed quickly realized, she's, she's going to share her faith with me, and uh, so he kind of just let her go, all right? He didn't let, let on, you know, anything about himself or about his own faith, and so he played along for a while, but eventually his conscience got the best of him, and so he said to her, he said, Jane, my, my name is Ed. I'm, I'm a pastor. I lead the Billy Graham Center, and I just want you to know that I know what you're up to, and you're doing an amazing job uh, right now, and uh, he tells the story that Billy Graham passed away a short time later, Stetzer was at the funeral with all of these famous people. Maybe you remember watching it on TV. There were past presidents there. And a reporter came up to Ed after the service, and he said to Ed, he said, Ed, who's going to be the next Billy Graham? Like, who's going to step in and fill Billy Graham's shoes? To which Ed replied, Jane, the Uber driver, will. And uh, it's great, you know, to have pastors. It's great to have churches. It's great to have people like Billy Graham who share their faith in front of great big audiences. There's nothing wrong. We need more Billy Grahams. But God is looking for people like Jane, the Uber driver, too. People who will use every moment, every opportunity, every day, every conversation to share the love and the good news of Jesus Christ with others. That means us. We are his witnesses. Uh, if you're a teacher, you're a witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, if you work at a grocery store, you are a witness for Jesus Christ. If you're a student going to class each day right now, playing on a sports team, you're a witness for Jesus Christ. With your neighbors, with your family, with your friends, like you are a witness for Jesus Christ. What Jesus initiated in Acts chapter 1 continued through the book of Acts, and it continues and must continue through us and that we, lay, we live our lives today. All right? So last week we made it through Acts chapter 4 with Steve. We're skipping over a lot of chapters, right? I mean, every week we're just skipping over big chunks of good scripture, and we're going to do that today as well. But skip over to Acts chapter 8 for a moment. It's here that we meet a Jewish religious leader, a guy by the name of Saul. Uh, the church was growing rapidly, the Christian church that is. Saul wasn't happy about it. And so for these reasons, he had a number of Christians uh, arrested and executed, martyred uh, for their faith. Thank 
thankfully, Jesus got a hold of Saul's life. Jesus can do that, right? There's no one that's so far from God. But he gets a hold of Saul's life. Uh, Saul surrenders his life to Jesus, which starts this process. His name's also changed to, to Paul. And Paul became one of the greatest Christian missionaries to ever live and to walk on this earth. And in Acts 13 and 14 we learn about Paul's first missionary journey, all right, where he literally traveled with others throughout the Roman Empire, sharing the gospel of Jesus, and also planting a number of churches uh, along the way. And here's a map just to kind of give you an idea of some of Paul's travels. If you've got a physical copy of the Bible, there's a chance you've got some maps in the back, and one of those maps might outline something like this, Paul's first, second, third, and and fourth uh, missionary journey with Israel being down here in the far right corner in the Mediterranean Sea, modern-day Turkey, and up through Greece, and even over as far uh, as Italy, where, where Rome is located. It was an exciting time for the church because Paul was planting churches. People were turning to Jesus Christ, and as he was, the church was growing. And the, it was growing and it was becoming diverse, all right, which was a really, really great and awesome thing. But one problem emerged in that, and all of a sudden there was this cultural divide between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. And in Paul's day, the Jewish Christians felt strongly that non-Jewish people needed to become more Jewish if they were going to follow Jesus. And so this led to some division. This led to complications. And so it also led to a meeting of the early church leaders that's recorded for us in Acts chapter 15, something that's also referred to as the Jerusalem Council. And the goal of the council was to come together to preserve the unity, to, to also establish this core belief that God doesn't expect Gentiles to become like Jews and that God certainly doesn't play favorites. And, and that's exactly what happened. That's what they were able to, to resolve and put into place. And they concluded this. If you had to sum it up into one phrase, they concluded that everyone is saved by faith through Jesus alone, all right? That you are saved by faith in Jesus alone. And by, by everyone, I mean everyone, all right? Everyone can. Jesus is for all people. He is for all people. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your nationality, male or female, young or old. Jesus is for all people. It doesn't matter the struggles that you have. It doesn't matter the the questions you've asked or the questions that you wrestle with even now. Uh, You don't have to clean up your life uh, before you can turn to and come to Jesus Christ. The, The worst thing that you've ever done can't keep you from coming to Jesus. God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you, and you are saved. You can be saved by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Nothing can keep you. Nothing can stop his love from transforming your life. And these church leaders knew that division in the church could easily disrupt the mission they'd been given by Jesus. And so they worked hard at staying focused, preserving the unity by while also striving to stay focused on the mission that was before them. And now from where we sit 2,000 years later, I'm not sure we can fully appreciate the impact of this decision on the church as a whole, but the result is that it led Paul and his companions to go out to hit the road for a second missionary journey, uh, to visit all the churches that they had planted and to share the important news that had been decided and resolved here in Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 4, gives us a summary of their travels. Here's what Luke records for us. As they traveled, this is again Paul's team, from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem 
a.k.a. Jerusalem Council, for the people to obey. And then here's the result of it. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And I don't know how you see it, but this is my desire for Genesis Church. Uh, I, I think many of you would say, you know, this is our desire for our church family, that we will be strengthened in our faith together, all right, we will grow in our faith together, and that we will grow daily. And, and when I say grow, that means so much more than just filling every seat on a Sunday morning, as great and wonderful that is, but we're talking about more and more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, surrendering their life uh, in the Lord. We, we want to be a church where, where people are baptized, you know, that we are baptizing all the time to demonstrate people that have made that decision for Christ and, and, and want to follow Jesus and, and live as a witness in this world. We want to see more and more people connecting in community with one another and in groups so that nobody's doing life alone. And we want to see more people serving in our community, again, as kingdom workers for Jesus. And all of this, even, even in the midst of everything that's going on in the world right now, I mean, you know this, many have have lost their faith. Many are struggling in their faith. Many want nothing to do with the church whatsoever. I mean, culture is changing around us. There are certainly pressures growing today, unlike anything maybe some of us have ever experienced. The fact is that the church in Acts, they were growing in faith in numbers, even as they faced their own unique challenges. I mean, they lived under tremendous persecution. And when I say persecution, I'm not talking about getting blocked or unfollowed on social media, you know, anything like that. I mean, they, they were putting their lives at risk. Many of them were being martyred for their faith in Jesus, but in spite of the dangers. And here in Acts 16 is another example. We find Paul and his friends out on mission telling others about Jesus. And why? So that the church could be strengthened in faith and grow in numbers daily. Genesis Church, we live in a broken world. We live in a challenging, dark world. It's a strange world with all sorts of new challenges. And those challenges could easily threaten to disrupt us, to get us uh, off course, uh, losing focus, distracted from the mission. Can you help me make sure that we don't lose sight of the mission? We got to stay focused on the mission. Let's not get distracted by the lesser important things of this world. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He hasn't released us or changed that assignment. And that's why our mission is helping people find their way back to God. Well, by the time we get to Acts 16, we know that Paul's missionary trips had been really successful. People were coming to Christ. Churches were starting and growing and multiplying. And Paul had dreams for even more. He was praying for even bigger opportunities to take the gospel to new places. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 6. Here's what Luke records. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Note the emphasis here. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus, same Spirit, would not allow them to, so they passed by Mycenae, and they went down to a place called Troas. Now, we'll talk about these locations in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you understand that the same power, the same Holy Spirit that had empowered Paul and his team and had been leading and guiding them to all of these places is now preventing them from advancing. And what was it? Like, how did Paul know? Like, how did Paul know, hey, we, we, we got to slow down. This isn't working. This isn't coming together. Like, was there a voice? Was there a disagreement? Were there some safety concerns? Like, what was it and, and why? Well, we don't know. Like, we don't know for sure. 
But, but scholars do believe that Paul likely was hoping, trying to get to Ephesus at this point, a, a large, highly influential city in Asia. And why not? Again, this is a guy that was very passionate about sharing the gospel. He was very strategic and realizing, you know, if we can get to Ephesus, if we can influence Ephesus, like the potential, you know, of that, I mean, could lead to so many other things. And so why not take it to a place where, where it's really needed the most? But that's not going to happen because the Holy Spirit keeps preventing them at least right, not right now. And again, we don't know how or why. All we know is that Paul and his companions eventually wind up in a place down here called Troas. And Troas is on the coast of, of modern-day Turkey, and uh, they're, they're going to stop here and kind of reevaluate, I guess, if you would. Now, do this. Let's, let's make it personal for just a moment. Imagine you're Paul. Okay, you've given up everything for Jesus Christ. You've given up everything for the mission. You're out doing the Lord's work. You're risking your life for him, and now you just keep running into closed doors. And uh, there's this uncertainty. There are certainly these disruptions. There's this confusion. Um, I'd like to think this. Since Paul was human like the rest of us, um, I can only imagine that there was some disappointment in his life and things not going as planned. Uh, probably annoyed by changes, by delays. I mean, there's a good chance I think he battled some discouragement and frustration too, especially when things have been going so well up to this point. I mean, you ever experienced anything like that? Life ever feel like that at all for you? I mean, uh, disappointment, discouragement, frustration, confusion at things not working out as planned. Because if you have planned this promising career, like you've got a vision, you've got a plan for what you want to do with your life, and then all of a sudden things aren't going as planned and you feel stuck, trapped, uh, with nowhere to go. Uh, maybe you said, I do, and you're in a marriage that's, well, it's struggling, I mean, if you're honest, and, uh, and you're not sure where to go next or how to get from where you are right now to where you'd like to be. Maybe, maybe you thought you'd be married by now or not only married by now, but that you'd have a kid by now. Maybe because last year was so crummy, you thought for sure this year would even be better, but, but honestly, it's worse. I mean, uh, maybe you were taking some bold steps in your faith and, and with our church, and, and you put together a group for some disciple-making reasons, but then COVID hit, and that group just kind of fell apart, and it's never come back together again. Maybe, maybe you said, you know, I, I want to I honor the Lord with my finances. And so you've been taking some bold steps and hey, I want to give and I want to do things this way and that way. But then something happened or fear entered in and you kind of lost track. Like, I'm just saying, isn't that life? I mean, like we make plans. Like we, we determine our course. We're great at kind of having a vision for where we want to go, what we want to do. We've got this preferred destination, but then something comes up and you feel stuck and we get frustrated. I just would say this, like be encouraged. Like even, even one of the most effective, well-known Christians of all time in the Apostle Paul, I think he can relate. And for us, we have the benefit of seeing his story, Paul's story from beginning to end. All right, but remember, he's in the middle of it in Acts 16. He can't see the end of it. I mean, you and I, if you're in the middle of it, we can't always see the, the other side of it all. And for Paul and his team, then things were hard. They certainly were confusing and unclear. But what felt like a disruption in his life eventually was going to lead to something better. Verse 9, they're down at Troas, 
Okay, we don't know how long they've been there, but it says during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, again, we don't know how much time had passed in Troas, but we do learn that Paul has this vision of a man from Macedonia begging for them to come, which was, get this, literally in the opposite direction of Ephesus. And so they're now going backwards, if you would. They're, they're going in the opposite direction that Paul was planning to go, but apparently this vision was all they needed because the, Paul and his friends, they picked up, they did exactly what they were called to do. Verse 11 <coughs> it says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to, to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. And so their, their travels took them to this Roman colony of Philippi, a strategically placed military outpost. And like Ephesus, Philippi was full of people and was very influential. And if you keep reading through Acts chapter 16, you'll discover that with the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul and his team well, they began to win people to Christ and some of them in some very unique and powerful ways. And add to it, Paul helped plant a new church there in Philippi. And if you fast forward a few years, Paul will end up writing a letter to that church that we know today as the New Testament book of Philippians. And one other thing, the Lord eventually allowed Paul and his team to travel to Ephesus and plant a church there too. But all of that took place even in spite of some disruptions, some uncertainty, some frustration. <clears throat> but I'd also say Paul and his companions learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in their lives, even when things aren't going as you planned them. Some of you know this. There's so much good reading in the book of Acts. It's a great book to read, a great history of the early church, and I'd encourage you to finish it up on your own. Do some digging in of your own if you haven't already. But before we finish our time today, I want to ask you this. Does following Jesus, uh, living for the Lord, you know, trying to be obedient, does it ever feel like this? <laughs> Traffic. Frustration stalled out, going nowhere fast. When you're trying to be faithful, trying to do a good job, when you've got this desire to be bold, to be courageous, to be different. But life sort of feels like this at times. You have no idea where you're going or when you'll get going and go anywhere. Or have you ever, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever been trying to get somewhere and you've got a plan and you've got a route all mapped out, and then you run into one of these? Yeah, detour. Detour means you ain't getting there anytime soon, all right? This is, this is going to take much longer than you planned or expected. And if you've got a plan, and if you're trying to follow Jesus with your life, but then you run into something like a detour, you can't help but ask some questions. You can't help but wonder what, or now what, or what do we do? How do we get from here to there? Let me ask you this. Where is the Holy Spirit wanting to take you on a detour right now? Could it be in a relationship? Uh, something with work? Something with school or your future? 
uh, maybe a dream you've had for your life, for your family. And if there's one thing we can learn from the book of Acts and the life of the Apostle Paul, it's this, that God sent his Holy Spirit to, to empower and to lead us to accomplish his purposes, not ours. Like it's his purposes first. That's the priority. Not, not mine, not, not ours. Remember, Jesus said that he would send his Holy Spirit to live in us, to give us power, but not so that we could be self-sufficient, uh, not so that we could be independent, not so that you could have a great career or a great family or a really big home. It's like it's not a guarantee that, that life will be easy. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit into this world and into our lives so that we could be his witnesses in this world, the Holy Spirit is mentioned something like 56 times in the book of Acts. It, it just means that Luke, the author of Acts, wants to make it abundantly clear that no one was operating on their own, but instead the Holy Spirit was leading. He's leading these people day by day, and the result was explosive growth in the church and the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. And what was true then and for these individuals, it's true for those of us who claim and desire to follow Jesus today, and that is that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us through every moment, through every circumstance, through every closed door, through every frustration in our lives, and He wants to lead us. He wants to lead you no matter what it is that you're going through right now. And sometimes his leading, and, and you maybe know this, sometimes his leading feels a lot like a freeway and you got six lanes to yourself and you are the only car on the expressway, right? I mean, sometimes it feels like that, but there are other times when his leading feels more like traffic jams and detours and, and questions. And I wonder how many of you maybe feel like you're in a place like that in your life right now, that things aren't going the way you planned. Um, you feel stuck. Life is hard. It's frustrating. You're, you're struggling with some confusion and, and uncertainty. I pray that you would hear me say this today. What if, like, what if your delay, what if the confusion or disruption in your life right now, you name it, like, what if your delay is God's way of asking you to trust him? Just trust me in even greater ways. And maybe to lead you to something even better. Because if you want a new job, and all you can think about right now is, I, I want a new job, I hate my job, I want to go somewhere else, I, I want a new job. Like, what if, what if God has, exactly, has you exactly where he needs and wants you right now? Or if you're really, really, really comfortable in your life. I mean, you've got things going exactly the way you plan. Like maybe God has something a little less comfortable in mind and it's going to require even greater faith and greater obedience. Maybe you've got your life all mapped out or the life of your kids all mapped out and the Holy Spirit has something different. Like are you open to that? Like you trust in God for some of the new things that he might have for you? You know, a year and a half ago, we launched our greater initiative here as a church, just saying we want to we make disciples, we want to reach our cities, we want to change the world, and then COVID hit, like right ex the exact time, you know, and, and it's been a real challenge at times. It's been joy. It's been wonderful to watch the Lord work, but just a challenge of like, God, what do you want to do with this now? Like we had this plan. This is where we were going. We were trusting you for this, but, but who could have imagined, you know, what we were going to enter into a year and a half ago and, and how we navigate that today? Like he is good. 
Like God knew, God knows, he sees the beginning and the end. Like he has a plan for our lives, he has a plan for you, he has a plan for our church family. The Holy Spirit will lead us. Like it's the the promise of Jesus. Listen to these words in John chapter 14. Now Jesus spoke these words before his death and before the Holy Spirit had come in Acts chapter 2. But he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, here's his promise, and he will give you another advocate, which is a word here for the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. What does Jesus say? If you love me, you will obey me. And he promised, his promise was that he will send the Holy Spirit to live in us. Genesis Church, if, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God lives in you. The Holy Spirit, the God who created the universe, he lives inside of you. And he can lead you and guide you. I mean, we don't have the power to obey on our own uh, or to be bold on our own, to discern on our own. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can. And how do you do that? Like, how do you li- learn to listen and respond and discern the, the leading of the Holy Spirit? I don't have time to go into all that today. I can't even say I got it all figured out either. But let me just leave you with a few things real quick that we see in Paul's story that may provide some help. And you can spend some time thinking and reflecting through these on your own. Like, we know from Paul in his life in Acts that he did this. Paul studied God's word for guidance, and he prayed to God for direction, being Planted in the word of God was a priority for the apostle Paul. And through that, God was able to reveal even more about his will and to give direction and I think just teach Paul to be a better listener. You and I are going to benefit from every day spending time in God's word, knowing his will, listening to his voice as he speaks to us through his will. And the more and more we do that, we just become better listeners we become better listeners, able to listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was David, King David, that said, your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That as I read it, I feel your presence and I see you leading me and I see you guiding me. Get planted in the word of God. Set aside time every day learning to listen. Here's something else that's really important that we see in Paul's life and that is that he never traveled alone. He always had a team of people around him. He surrounded himself with others who were also following Jesus and this gave him an even greater ability to discern the will of God with them. Be a part of a church family. If Genesis isn't it, find a church family, dig in, dig in deep, and get around other people. Surround yourself with others who are also desiring to follow Jesus and learn together and grow together and be encouraged together. Be a part of a church family. Get your kids involved in the church family here. Make sure your students are involved in our church family. This is why I believe it's so important for everyone in our church family to get connected to a group of people outside of Sunday mornings, a group of people, again, who are following Jesus, people that you can do life with, share some food with, because you and I weren't meant to do life alone. Like many of you, Jenny and I lead a connection group. We meet on Sunday nights, you know, and we are so grateful for the uh, 13 people that the Lord has brought into our group that we get to spend time with in our home. Like, we're enjoying one another. We're learning to do life together. We share together. Like, everyone should have a group of people like that in your life. And I know many of you are a part of a group, and that's great and that's wonderful, but if you're not, let us help you. All right, let us help you get connected to other people 
because as we get connected to other people who are also following Jesus, we're going to do a better job of discerning God's will and learning to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. The last thing that I just want to identify that we see in Paul is this, is that he practiced obedience to the Holy Spirit. And we see this in his life in Acts 16, but there are other examples too where he's relying on the Holy Spirit's power. Like he practiced obedience, whatever God asked him to do. If you desire If you are wanting to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, let me just say to you, keep practicing obedience. Every day, every moment, sort of obedience. Because I think what we do, here's something that I've been guilty of. We look five years out. We look 10 years out and we wonder what God's will for our life is. And we just think, you know, I got to get there. I want to get there. That's what I'm focused on. Like, that's what I want for my life. And And I think one of the better things to do, and there's nothing wrong with having vision like that in your life, but I think one of the better things to do is just to say, I need to get focused on today. And I need to ask myself, what does obedience look like in about 30 minutes from now? And what does obedience look like later this afternoon and tomorrow morning when I log in and tomorrow evening when I go home Like, what does obedience look like moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day? And the more we do that, I think the more we just line our hearts with the heart of the Lord and the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance, who has promised that he can lead and guide us through whatever we may face, every traffic jam, every detour, and every expressway that we feel like we have it all to ourselves. What's obedience look like right now the rest of today and tomorrow we Scott I'm trusting you with that but I want to trust you with this today God can guide us through open doors and he can guide us even when the doors shut be faithful be faithful to where God is leading learn to listen to the Holy Spirit Make sure you're not doing life alone. Let's pray. And as we pray, I, I want to begin by praying for those of you that really feel like, you know what, I need to hear from God right now. I need direction in my life. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. Maybe some of you here today feel all alone. And you need to experience the presence of God in your life. Just know that he's there and know that he cares. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I pray for the men and women and students here today that are just needing to hear from you. They're needing to be encouraged by you. They need to be reminded of your love and of your grace and your promises. And they just need to know they're not alone. God, would you, would you do what you need to do today? Even before we leave this room in a few minutes, would you encourage hearts? Remind us of your presence. And give us the faith to believe that you can lead us from where we are right now to where you want to take us. Have your way in this place and in our lives today. You know every heart. You know every question. You know every concern. We trust you. And I want to pray for those of you here today that have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe your next step of obedience is to trust Jesus, to put your faith in him, 
to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life than to begin today by following Christ, following Jesus. And if that's you, just tell God you need him. Tell him where you are right now, wherever you're seated. Just tell him, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me. My life belongs to you. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. You can trust Jesus today and give your life to him. Father, we thank you for all of your promises, for faith, for your leadership, for the powerful reminder that we don't have to do life alone. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.